Hey, hey guys, welcome back to the Road to Madness podcast with Macaglia and Mindong. Um, today is a very sad day for college basketball fans, as today would have been the national championship tonight. Yeah, canceled. Hope you guys are doing well. Are you sad? Yeah, I'm pretty sad. I was excited for this. It's probably going to be the best March Madness I've ever watched. I agree. Um, on Instagram uh, account we follow, they are posting a lot of uh, pre-season, I know, post-season tribute videos to all those teams that made it, and watching those is just very sad to watch. Mm-hmm. All right, let's kick things off. We have some major breaking news. Patrick Tape, who we mentioned last episode, he was the Columbia transfer. He committed to Duke, then he decommitted, and now he is coming back to Duke, baby. It has been three days since he decommitted, and he finally decides that Duke's the right fit for him. What do you think he was waiting for? Uh, I think Vernon Carey's decision played a factor. Um, it seemed like he was going to the draft at first. When he decommitted, he's like, all right, maybe Vernon Carey is coming back. But now he recommitted to Duke. That, that probably means Vernon Carey's going to the draft. Yeah, I mean, I said in the last episode, there was a small possibility he was coming back. And I, like you said, I thought that was why he uh, decided to decommit. But, um, yeah, I mean, I guess either Vernon Carey's going to the draft or they're going to find some way to have both of them start or something like that. Because I don't, I don't know if Patrick Tate will start, but I think he wants to get playing time. And with Vernon Carey staying, he's probably not going to. But, like you said, I think he's going to leave. All right, um, the main topic of the episode today is um, underperforming teams and overperforming teams on the season. We kind of um, dove into all the teams and we selected a few that we thought had underperforming seasons and some that really overachieved what they were expected and overperformed pretty much. So we're going to start with the underperforming teams. And do you want to kick things off? Yeah, um, the first underperforming team we have is Kentucky. They were second in the preseason poll. They, they had a loaded team coming in, Ashton Higgins, Tyrese Maxey, Cahill Whitney, and some transfers like Nate Sestina. Um, they also had good role players like Nick, Nick Richards, EJ Montgomery, and Johnny Juzang. But they just had very uncharacteristic losses this season, notably to Evansville, which was crazy. Um, yeah. Also to Utah, Tennessee, and South Carolina. What do you think? Um, yeah, you kind of said it all. I mean, they, I remember the first game of the season, they played Michigan State, and they actually beat them. And I was like, whoa, Kentucky might be pretty good this year. But, um, I mean, a couple games later, they lost to Evansville. And Evansville, they had they were, they were like one of the best teams to start out the year, <laughs> like maybe because they beat Kentucky. Yeah, they were, they were ranked high. Yeah, and then, like, and then they lost every single game in their conference. Mm-hmm. So, so I don't know. I mean, Kentucky almost uh, – they almost also lost to who – who it was some green team. I, I don't know who it was. Oh, Utah Valley. Utah Valley, yeah. Okay. I knew it was a Utah team, but, yeah. They almost lost to Utah Valley earlier in the year as well. And I think that game was at Kentucky, which was scary, a scary sight because Kentucky usually doesn't lose at home. But, um, yeah, I mean – they did finish first in the SEC, and they they would have been like a high um, two a high line, yeah, yeah, a high seed in the tournament. But um, I think they would have not had enough experience, and they probably would have had an early exit, in my opinion. Yeah, I totally agree with you. But yeah, just maybe that loss to Evansville didn't happen. Maybe they would make a deep run, but I just thought that Evansville loss really punched them in the gut. Yeah, definitely. All right. Uh, next team that we thought underperformed this year was Washington. Uh, Washington was the first team out of the preseason poll. Uh, and if you don't know, the preseason poll is basically the top 25 teams that were predicted to make like runs in the tournament this year. And basically the best 25 teams coming into the year. And Washington was the 26th team. And um, I mean, the start of the year, they looked pretty good. They were ranked for a couple weeks and then 
I don't know, something just happened. And they finished last in the Pac-12. They had a record of 5-13 and 13 in the Pac-12. And the, th- the, the interesting thing was they had two five-star recruits coming in this season, and Isaiah Stewart and Jaden McDaniels. And Jaden McDaniels got benched halfway through the year. And what, what are your thoughts on them? Yeah, um, they looked really good in the beginning of the season. They beat Baylor in a neutral court in Alaska. I watched that game. Um, I just think when uh, Nas Carter, the Kentucky transfer, got suspended for uh, academic reasons, I think that's when turning point was. Um, he's really the glue guy of the team, and once he got suspended, everything just fell off. They They didn't have a true point guard after that. Yeah, I mean – Playing without like your starting point guards definitely a problem because I mean that like like I said Isaiah Stewart and Jaden McDaniels were both uh, big men and if no one facilitating the ball then they're just not going to get touches and they're not going to score and I think Washington's offense is basically put around those three guys and you lose the facilitator and your team is just going to cost mm-hmm. and that, I think that's what happened to Washington I mean I thought they were going to do pretty I thought they were going to make a decent run the tournament coming into the year, but, um, yeah, they definitely underperformed. Um, next thing we have is Florida. This was an extremely hyped-up team coming. Everyone, Most people had them in their preseason Final Four. Once Kerry Blackshear came, transferred in, they were ranked sixth in the preseason full. Um, they finished 11-7 and seven in the SEC, tied for fourth. Um, but they had some very bad losses like Ole Miss – Missouri and Yukon. Um, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean, like you said, I, I had them I had them going to the final four or coming into the year. I mean, I thought with Kerry Blackshear coming in from Virginia Tech and Scotty Lewis coming in, I thought they're gonna be a very good team. And the year before that, they I think they were a seven seed in the tournament. I I believe so. I believe, yeah. And I mean I thought I thought their expectations would be a lot higher, and obviously they didn't live up to them. I mean, they're in the AP poll maybe once in the year, and then that they hadn't been in it since. And I think they might have snuck into the – they might have been able to sneak into the tournament this year, but I just don't think they'd have enough firepower considering how their season went. And it's kind of sad because we all thought they were going to do really well, and they just really underperformed. Yes. All right. Um, next up, UNC. Um, they kind of have a different story based on underperformance, in my opinion. Um, they were ninth in the preseason poll, but their star player, Cole Anthony, was out for half the season with injury. And I think without him, they kind of did not have a very, um, what's it called, unified team. And they finished tied for last in the ACC with a record of 6-14. and 14. They're 14 and 19 overall. What are your thoughts on UNC? Um, yeah, this was a very hyped up team coming in too. Um, did you say they were ranked um, ninth in the preseason poll? Yep. Um, they looked all right in the beginning of the season. Lost to Michigan, lost to Ohio State, um, lost to Virginia, lost. And then there's just that there's that four four game losing streak. Um, Ohio State, Virginia, Wolford. In Gonzaga, um, those games they were, they just didn't look good at all during that four-game stretch, and I believe Cole Anthony got um, hurt after that, and once Cole Anthony came back, they just continued to look bad, and yeah. it, it got to the point where Roy Williams had to play walk-ons. It was just that bad. Yeah, I mean, they had a couple of bright spots in their season. I mean, they they went into overtime with Duke, one of the one of the best teams for the in the nation for most of the year. And they did beat NC State in the first round of the ACC tournament, but then they had an exit to Syracuse. So there were some bright spots. And, um, I mean, I think coming into next year, they got a lot more – they'll have a lot more um, promise and praise, hopefully, considering the recruits coming in and maybe um, Big Cod staying and Cole Anthony maybe staying. Yeah, next team we got Memphis, um, 13th in the – Preseason poll, they had a crazy good recruiting class coming in, led by the number one recruit James Wiseman. They had Boogie Ellis coming in. They just they just had a great recruiting class. Um, James Wiseman left halfway through the season for ineligibility. 
Um, they tied fifth with a American Conference at 10 and 8, 24 and 10 overall. Um, I don't know if they were going to make it to the tournament. What do you think? No, I don't, I don't think they're going to make the tournament. Um, I mean, like you said, without Wiseman, they were just not the same team. They did not have the same firepower. And I think the lack of the center um, kind of killed them. Um, I remember they played Wichita State late in the year, and they needed them. That was a must-win game for them. They wanted to have a shot at making the tournament, and they just fell short. And I think the lack of a center for them was yeah. something that haunted them. And I think that's the reason why they weren't going to make the tournament. Anything else on Memphis? Um, nope. I think you covered it all. Okay. All right. Next up, Xavier. Um, Xavier finished ninth. Uh, sorry, they were ranked 19th in the preseason poll. Um, um, for the beginning of the year, I thought Xavier was okay. I mean, they were in the AP Top 25 poll for a couple weeks. Um, but when Big East play came around, they kind of just fell apart. Um, they finished 8-10 and 10 in the Big East. Uh, 19 and 13 overall. They lost to DePaul in the first round of the Big East tournament, and DePaul was the last seed in the Big East, and they had less than five games won in the Big East. Mm -hmm. And I think Xavier had a lot of um, hype around them, and I thought they could have been a lot better than they um, should have been. But yeah, what yeah, do you I, think? To I totally agree with you. They had um, most of the team coming back led by Najee Marshall, and then. Ty Tyreek Jones. Um, I think the problem was their lack of a three-point shooter. Um, no one on their team shot above 37% for the season. And as a team, they shot just under 32%. And you, you got to shoot at least 35% to win games from three. Yeah, I mean, most of the games were pretty close from, from what I saw on Xavier. And um, I mean, yeah, just that extra point. I mean, it goes a long way at the end of the day because yeah. there's, there's only a certain amount of offensive possessions you get, and there's only a certain amount of points you're going to get, and every point matters. Mm -hmm. They're getting a lot of three-point shooters next year, though. I know. I mean, hopefully they can do something with Big East kind of not being as strong. Mm -hmm. Next team, we have VCU. This was a team that made the tournament last year. Two seasons ago, they were projected to win the eighth and this season. They um they were ranked the last team 25th in the preseason poll. They had a very underwhelming season. They finished eight and ten in the Atlantic Conference, eighteen and thirteen overall. Um, what do you think? I mean, yeah, I mean, we thought they're gonna be a lot better than they should have been. And finishing eight and ten in eight ten play was pretty disappointing. I mean I think that was tied with UMass and no knock on UMass, but that's, that's kind of, that's kind of sad. Um, <laughs> no knock on UMass. I mean, they don't got that many recruits coming in. And I mean, VCU has a lot of recruits coming in. And got veterans too. Of, what? They got a, got a, they got a, um, good veterans as well. Yeah, exactly. And well, we, we expected a lot more from them and they just didn't perform. And I don't think they were going to make the tournament finishing um, eight and ten in conference play. I mean, unless they somehow went on a magical run and beat Dayton in the eight ten tournament, but Which they that's, did. Very, that, know, that's very unlikely to happen. And I mean, yeah, it's kind of just sad to see, I guess. All right, uh, next up, Davidson, another eight ten team. They were projected second in the eight ten behind VCU. They returned their top three scores, and I, I honestly expected a lot more of them. Um, I think they made the tournament last year. Yes, they did. Seed. They got ten seed? at at large for the eight ten. Yeah, ten seed, uh, twelve seed. Twelve seed, yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, like VCU, we expect a lot more from them. And they finished seventh in the A ten with at a record of ten and eight. They finished sixteen to fourteen overall. Um, what do you what do you think of Davidson? Um, yeah, they returned their top three starters. They returned almost everyone. They even returned. The A-10 player of the year in 2019, John Axel Goodmanson. And, um, yeah, I expected a lot from them. I expected them to win the A-10, to be honest with you. I, I really like that team coming into the season, but they just underperformed. Yeah, definitely. Next uh, up, your, your we, got, team next. we got Tennessee, my team. Um, 
finished seventh in the SEC, 99-17-14 overall. Um, they lost Lamonte Turner halfway through the season, and they, they were they were going to probably miss the tournament. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I mean, I was expecting a lot more from Tennessee as well. I mean, they had Josiah James coming in, and I thought they were going to be pretty decent in the SEC. And, I mean, losing Lamonte Turner halfway through the year kind of kind of killed them. And I think without his presence, I, I don't think they're as good as a team. And I think that's why they didn't win as many games as they should have. Yeah, I agree. All right, next up, Georgetown. Uh, they finished tied for eighth in the Big East uh, at a record of 5-13. and 13. Uh, Georgetown, they had a lot of hype around them coming into the year. They had a insane guard duo of James o- Owangu or something yeah. like that. Um, and then they had Mac McClung. Um, and I honestly thought Georgetown would make a decent run for the Big East. And I thought maybe a top five um, team in the Big East. And the Big East record, it doesn't really, it doesn't really matter because, like, it's so competitive. So a, a finish from, like, fifth through first would definitely put you in the tournament. But, um, yeah, I mean, Georgetown just didn't do that well this year. And – they did finish 15 and 17 overall, but they're definitely going to be shy of the tournament. What do you think of Georgetown? Um, they they looked they looked really good coming into the season, um, but and then all of a sudden, boom! Three guys decided to transfer out, and that was honestly the turning point. Um, Patrick Ewing after that had a lack of scholarship players, and. Props to him for having him having Georgetown on the bubble for as long as he did, because that's pretty tough to do. Definitely, considering three people leaving, and that basically shifts your whole lineup, and you gotta do something about that. And yeah, I mean, kudos to him for keeping them there for as long as possible. Next team up, we got Harvard. They were projected the top Ivy League team for this season. They finished second behind Yale. Decent record of ten and four in the Ivy, twenty-one and eight overall. Um, what are your thoughts? This is probably your team. Yeah, it's our hometown team, but yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, there was a lot of speculations that Harvard was going to be the team this year. I mean, Bryce Aiken was kind of the guy that was going to lead the charge, and he left midway through the year. He only played like seven games, and I think without his presence, Harvard struggled. I mean. They did finish 10-4, and they finished 21-8 overall. And they're probably going to have a matchup with Yale in the Ivy League finals, which we we're going to watch. But, um, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I mean, um, I mean, there's not that much about them except that Aiken left, and Aiken was kind of their scoring guy. And without him, they just weren't the same team. Yeah, and you can't forget about Seth Towns. And I'm not sure if he played this year. but Towns didn't play last year. He didn't play last year, but I expected him to play this year, but he, he didn't play this year either. Well, yeah, he wanted to transfer. Yeah. So he couldn't he couldn't play this year if he wanted to transfer, unless he wanted to be a grad uh, transfer. But mm-hmm. I guess he could have did that, actually. Because in Ivy League, you got four years and only four yeah, years. Yeah, 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 you're yeah. right. He could have so, been a grad. I don't know, yeah. He is a grad transfer, but like a redshirt grad transfer, so he gets yeah, yeah, three yeah. years. I got, I got you. So he could have played this year. He still, mm-hmm. yeah. I didn't realize that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why he didn't play, honestly. All right. Um, next team, Michigan State. Um, they were first in the preseason poll. They had the preseason player of the year in Cassius Winston. And obviously with Cassius Winston, the, this season was hard for him, losing his brother. And going through all that and playing is very difficult to do. But, um, I mean, Michigan State had a rough stretch in the Big Ten. I mean, the Big Ten was wide open this year. And – they were still able to finish um, tied uh, a three-way tie at top of the Big Ten with Wisconsin and Maryland. Maryland. Yes. And um, they they definitely weren't going to be in the first seed um, line. They probably would have been two through four line. But um, I don't know. I mean, this is one of the teams that didn't, didn't – they underperformed definitely, but it wasn't like that much. I mean, obviously, we expected a lot more from them. Mm-hmm. But, um, I mean, it's just some stuff didn't go their way. And um, I think it's uncontrollable, in my opinion. But, um, I mean, yeah, they, they had a lot of talent. And they, it just didn't go 
um, the way they wanted it to, in my opinion. Yeah, um, everyone thought of them as a like the clear cut front runner for the national championship this year. They had all the pieces: Cassius Winston, Xavier Tillman, um, Aaron Henry, and Rocket Rods were their core. Um, but like you said, Cassius Winston lost his brother, and uh, team had to rally around him. And they they had a they had a pretty good season. Um, but at beginning of the season, everyone thought they would destroy in the Big Ten. But the Big yeah. Ten turned out really good. Oh, yeah. Big Ten was definitely the surprise conference this year, in yes. my opinion. Um, next team, Utah State. They were 17th in the preseason poll. They were projected first um, in Mountain West, finished 12-6 and six in the Mountain West, um, tied for sec- a three-way tie for second. Um, this was a team that wasn't going to make the tourney if it weren't for Sam Morrell saving the season with that shot against San Diego State. But – turning got canceled they had all their restarters returning as well what, what do you what are your thoughts I mean yeah I mean a lot of people expected them to do a lot of things I mean Utah State made the tournament last year as I think a seven or an eight seed I'm not too sure which one but um I mean yeah they had a lot of expectations coming in and Sam Morrell was returning all their starters were returning and um I mean like you said if it wasn't for him they definitely would not have made the tournament. Um, I mean, yeah, they just really underperformed. And I I think they would have definitely had a first-round exit from the tournament. Um, yeah, I agree with you. I thought coming into the season, they were actually going to be undefeated in Mountain West play. That was actually my expectation. They were just that good. Yeah. Um, San Diego State sold the show. San Diego State surprised everyone. And Utah State also surprised everyone in the wrong way. Yes. But We'll talk about San Diego State more in the, I, the next. I think Utah State had enough momentum to keep going in the tournament. Maybe Sweet Sixteen. So, Sweet Sixteen. Yeah, I think that well, they have the they have the talent and the pieces to go far in the tournament. What but, what seed do you think that would have been? Um, they, they were going to be a twelve seed. They were going to be the, since the bid thief twelve seed. True. I mean, twelve seed twelve seed is a bid thief. You definitely said it. I mean, they usually have a ton of upsets, but I don't, I don't know. I don't see them going sweet 16. Nah. But hey, that's just, that's just my opinion. March Madness is going to be crazy this year. Oh yeah. Really don't get me happen. wrong. I was going to predict a ton of upsets, but yes, um, me too. Utah State, I'm not sure about them. Just, just my opinion. All right. Uh, moving on. We're going to flip the switch and we're going to go to overperforming teams. And the first one, no surprise is Dayton. We've talked about them a lot on this show. And, um, I mean, they're projected third in the A-10 behind VCU and Davidson. And um, they only received one point in the preseason AP poll, and they ended up being number three in the country. I mean, OB Tobin, we talked about a lot, but he just kind of turned up this year, and he went crazy. And Dayton was definitely going to be projected a one seed uh, for the tournament this year. Would, anything else about Dayton? Um, yeah, let's be honest. Uh, Coming into the season, I don't think anyone knew who Obi Toppin was. I don't think anyone knew who Anthony Grant was, the coach. And somehow, after that Maui tournament, they landed on the radar of everyone, and they just kept going up and up from there. Yeah, I remember watching that Maui tournament, and I was watching Obi Toppin play, and I'm like, this guy's good. I mean, yeah, he's, he a, he's like a six seven like guard who can shoot the ball, and – I was like, whoa, this guy's actually pretty good. And then, I mean, yeah, things just took its toll. And yeah, undefeated like, A-10 play, even won the tournament. Yeah, I mean, I thought they were going to go pretty far. I mean, they probably would have got upset, in my opinion, and Sweet 16 maybe. But, um, yeah, I mean, they had a lot of hype around them coming into the tournament. Yeah, I agree. Um, next up, we have Baylor. They were projected second in the Big 12 behind Kansas, which they were. But um, I don't think anyone had them as a number one seed or number one AP poll. They came two games shy of the Big 12 regular season title, and they finished with the top five, top five end-of-the-season poll ranking. Um, they were going to be a projected either one or two seed. What do you think of Baylor? Um, yeah, I mean, like you said, Baylor Baylor had a tremendous run in the AP poll. They were the number one seed from 
week 12 to week 16. And I thought Jared Butler was kind of the anchor guy for their team. And they had a lot of people coming around him and Galipsy and Macau Teague. And um, yeah, I mean, I thought, I thought Baylor was going to do pretty well in the tournament. I, I think they probably, like, like you said, they, they would have been the lowest one seed or the highest two seed. And um, yeah, I mean, I thought they had a lot of momentum, um, a lot of momentum during the season. And then, they had a tough loss to Kansas, and um, I think they would have eventually bounced back, and I think they would have, like Dayton, they would have went pretty far in the tournament, maybe maybe a little bit further than Dayton would have. But, um, yeah, I mean, I guess we'll never know. Yeah, I agree. Um, when Scott Drew in the beginning of the season said he was going to switch his defense from a 3-2 zone to man-to-man, I thought, like, why would he ever switch to a man-to-man when he's been playing 3-2 his whole coaching career? And it turned out to be a success. Yeah, it was a very good decision on his part. I mean, Scott Drew was probably one of the most underappreciated coaches. But did we did we talk about him? Last yeah, we did. Talk. Oh, we no, did. We yeah, did I, we did not. I was the one the one to add him. Um, men had different opinions, but yes, I decided to put him in. And speaking of that, I also decided to try and put in Matthew Driscoll, the North Florida coach, who we're going to talk about next. But we decided to take him out. But I'm giving him some praise now. Um, yeah, next up we have North Florida. Oh, they were projected. What? I'm just kidding. Go. <laughs> um, next we have North Florida projected second in the A10 behind the loaded, loaded Liberty team. They had very close games with some very tough competition like Creighton, Dayton, Florida, Florida State, and Iowa. So their schedule was no joke. They shared the regular season title with Liberty and ended up losing in the conference semis. Um, you're a big North Florida guy. What do you think of your team? Um, yes, I hopped on the North Florida bandwagon for the season. Um, yeah, I mean, um, everyone projected Liberty to definitely win the A-Sun, and it was no competition at all. Maybe Lipscomb behind him and maybe North Florida. But, I mean, um, yeah, I mean, North Florida, like you said, they had some very tough competition. They lost uh, Iowa, Florida, and Creighton by a couple points. They held Dayton to – 10, a 10-point 10 loss and FSU to a 10-point loss. And, I mean, yeah, I mean, Liberty was undefeated for most of the beginning of the A-Sun, and Florida State kind of turned up – I'm sorry, North Florida kind of turned up, and they finished uh, with a share of the regular season title. And, I mean, yeah, Matthew Driscoll is a very underrated coach. North Florida has been a very decent team for the past couple of years. They finished behind Liberty for maybe three years now, and they just had – terrible um, results in the conference championship and they'd never made it that far, but next year might be their year. All right. Uh, next up, San Diego State. Uh, we talked about them a little bit earlier, but they're projected to be second behind Utah State. Um, they were the last undefeated team in the nation and they had a, a very heartbreaking loss to UNLV and that was their first loss of the year. Um, they beat teams like Creighton, Iowa, and BYU. They finished 30-2 and two on the year, finished fourth in the final AP poll, which is the highest in their school's history, and they projected a one or two seed in the tournament. What are your thoughts about them? Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, of course. I, I had them behind Utah State. Like I said, I thought Utah State was going undefeated. But they really shocked me when they beat both Iowa and Creighton, and especially that Creighton game when they, they killed them by – 31 points and that was just like San Diego State that good and yeah they actually were that good they were the last undefeated team remaining and I was supposed to go to that heartbreaking game against UNLV but some family thing popped up in California and yeah yeah I mean like you said San Diego State there I I thought Utah State was definitely gonna win the Mountain West but um Malachi Flynn turned up and he had a tremendous year. And if he if he decides to come back, like we stated in the earlier episode, San Diego State will definitely be the front runners for the Mountain West for the next year to come. Next team we got Illinois. Um, they were projected tenth in the Big Ten, but they showed that they were competitive in a game against Maryland where they lost one point. Um, the turning point was definitely their. Uh, win against Michigan. Um, they also defeated Penn State and Iowa, finished fourth in the Big Ten and 21st in the AP poll. 
what do you think of Illinois? Yeah, I mean, Illinois, they kind of they kind of came out of nowhere. I mean, they had Kofi Cogburn, who was the freshman co was he co freshman of the year? Yeah. Yeah, co freshman of the year. And um I remember watching the Michigan game and that was a very intense game. It was it was close for most of the game and Illinois just pulled away at the end of the game. Um funny funny story in this game, Kofi Cockburn punched a ref in the gut and he was taken <laughs> to the hospital. He was taken to the hospital and I, I think he's okay now, which is good. But um yeah, I mean, would not be surprised if Illinois did some good stuff next year. They got uh, two four-star recruits coming in, and Adam Miller, kind of the front runner for them. And yeah, I mean, they were tie, uh, projected to be tied tenth, and they finished um, fourth in the Big Ten and twenty-first in the poll, like you said. And they probably would have been a nine, eight, nine seed in the tournament, probably. But um, yeah, I mean, hopefully next year they can get back. Yeah, uh, beginning of the season. I, I thought Illinois, Illinois was pretty irrelevant to me. They weren't much of a basketball school coming into the season. Don't you, would you agree with that? Yeah. Mm. Um, all right. Uh, another Big Ten team coming up next is Wisconsin. They were projected in the bottom half of the Big Ten. Uh, they they um, and ended up finishing with a three-way tie with the Big Ten title, and they ended up 17th on the final AP poll of the year. Uh, they, like I said, like I said, they tied the regular season share with Michigan State and Maryland, uh, fourteen and six, and Wisconsin finished twenty-one ten overall. I think they probably would have been a five-six seed in the tournament. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would. I would agree with that. Yeah, and um, yeah, they had a lot of speculation coming into the tournament. Um, what do you think of them? I mean, I remember it was the first day college basketball started. And uh, we saw that St. Mary's beat Wisconsin by two. We were like, all right, St. Mary's was supposed to win that game. Like, Wisconsin sucks. Like, that, that's, what we, that's what we thought about Wisconsin, um, I'll be honest. Um, but, yeah, they, they just kept going. And they just, after they lost Kobe King, I thought that was it. But they got even better after they lost him. And Yeah. I mean, Wisconsin was under the radar for most of the year, in my opinion. And, no one really, no one really saw them, saw what they were doing, and mm-hmm. they ended on an eight-game win streak. Yeah, they they ended on an eight-game win streak, and some of their wins were like really low-key, and no one really saw them. And I thought they would have made a decent run in the tournament, but um, I just don't know if they'd have the firepower in the tournament. If I'm being honest. Yeah, I agree with you. All right, that's your second favorite team up next. Um. Yeah. Next up, we got Rutgers. They were projecting one of the worst teams in the Big Ten. Finished tied for fifth. They were in the top 25 for the first time in 35 years. And they were on the, they were on its way to be in the March Madness for the first time in 30 years. What do you think? I mean, yeah, no one no one saw this coming. Um, Rutgers, they've been one of the worst teams uh, in the Big Ten for a couple of years now. And they're, they're kind of the joke of the Big Ten. But um, – <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, no, I'm, I'm being serious. Yeah, no, I agree. And, with uh, you. Yeah, I mean, they they shocked a lot of people this year, and like finishing tied for fifth in the Big Ten is pretty impressive, considering how wide open the Big Ten was this year. Um, there was, I think, there was three or four teams tied for um, first place and fifth place, and that just shows how how competitive the Big Ten was this year, and. Um, yeah, I mean, coming into next year, Rutgers got a lot of uh, people coming in. They have the transfer in Cliff. Um, I don't know how to say his last name. but um, And they also have a couple recruits coming in. And I wouldn't be surprised if they were a top five finish next year in the Big Ten as well. Uh, yeah, I totally agree with you. Before, before the season, like you said, Rutgers was the joke. Um, they were one of the worst, like, programs in the country, period. Um, but – that's why Steve Pickell, the Rutgers coach, was my vote for coach of the year this year. I mean, the way he turned around this program was amazing, and that's why I'm hopping on the bandwagon. I, res- I respect the hop on the bandwagon. Yeah. I respect Good it. Good next year. I respect it. All right. Uh, next up, Creighton. Uh, Creighton was projected seventh in the Big East coming into the year, and they won a share of the Big East um, with Villanova. Essentially, no um, – Bid yet because they still had uh, 
make the tournament, but they probably would have made it. Um, they tied with Illinois with 13 and five in the Big East. They finished 24 and seven overall. Um, they they um, finished seventh in the final AP poll, which is tied for the highest in school history. And I, they probably would have been a two seed in the tournament. Would you agree with that? Uh, yeah, two three line. Yeah. Uh, what do you what do you, what do you think of them? Yeah, I, like I said, when I saw that uh, thirty one point loss to San Diego State, is like, I'm yeah. like, yeah, I don't think Creighton's that good. Um, I expected Creighton to win that, but like I I knew coming into the season, I don't I didn't think they were gonna compete in the Big East because they had no big men, but they surprised a lot of teams. They played Houston Rockets style basketball and the Big East. Yeah. I'm also – I think that, that this is my pick for the national championship next year. They have everyone returning, and they have two big men coming in. Yeah, it will definitely be – like I said in the last episode, it will definitely be a good duel between Creighton and Villanova next year. Both of them have everyone returning pretty much, and, I mean, Creighton just gets better. And, I mean, yeah, it will be, it'll be fun to watch. Next team, we have Pacific. It's projected second to last in the WCC. Finished tied for third with St. Mary's. Um, yeah, what are your thoughts on Pacific? I mean, yeah, I mean Pacific. They've been they've been pretty low in the West and the West Coast Conference for a couple of years now. And I mean, we say it a lot, but the West Coast Conference is not that good. But they still have a couple, three, three, four decent teams every year. Would you would you agree with that? Yeah, I I thought the Pacific, I mean the West Coast Conference was probably the most competitive it has been in years. Yeah, yeah, definitely, and I think Pacific is the one to thank for that. Honestly, I mean, most of the conference has been dominated by St. Mary's and um, Gonzaga and BYU for most of the years, and um, I think yeah, Pacific shocked a lot of people this year. I mean, St. Mary's we had a lot of expectations for, and. I mean, being tied with them, who was maybe a fringe conference, uh, fringe tournament team, is pretty impressive. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Damon Stoudemire um, did a terrific job turning around, and Damon Stoudemire is the rookie was the NBA Rookie of the Year, so former player in the college mm-hmm. ranks. Yeah, good. that's good stuff for him. All right, uh, next up, Merrimack. Uh, we talked about him last episode, but uh, coming from the jump from D two to D one. Obviously, they're going to be rejected last in the Northeast Conference. I mean, what what would you expect? A D2 team coming into D1. Um, I mean, yeah, Joe Gallo and Merrimack, they shocked everyone, finished first in the Northeast Conference. However, they were uneligible to, ineligible to qualify for the March Madness Tournament, and they are for the next year, too, I believe. Is that right? The next yeah. four years. Oh, next four years? Oh, yes. I, thought next two, I thought it was the next two years. Um, but, yeah. I mean, we said it already, but, yeah, it's just amazing to see what Merrimack did this year. Yeah. Um, we were really rooting for Merrimack in the beginning of the season. This is another Massachusetts college making the jump to D1. Massachusetts college hoop is not really the best. So we, we were looking someone to cheer for, and it turned out to be Merrimack this year. Yeah, I mean, hopefully they can do it again. But um, no tournament to show. It's kind of disappointing, but – um. Hey, well, make make the most of it. Mm-hmm. Um, next up, we have Penn State, projected ninth in the Big Ten, finished fifth in the Big Ten. Um, they reached as high as ninth in the AP poll, tied for the best in the school's history. They finished with a top thirty. Um, poll. Well, they were outside yeah. the top twenty-five, but they received a lot of votes. Yeah. What are your thoughts on um, the Lions? <laughs> yeah, the Nitty Lions, but yes. yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, they, they surprised a lot of people this year. I mean, Lamar Stevens was definitely the guy for Penn State this year. And I think without him, they wouldn't have been the same team. And um, they defeated four ranked opponents this year, all from the Big Ten and Maryland, Michigan State, Ohio, and Iowa. And like you said, they reached ninth in the AP poll. And they had a couple of losses at the end of the year, and it caused them to fall out. But um, I think they still would have been uh, – six, seven, eight seed maybe at the lowest. And, um, I mean, yeah, I mean, they had a lot of experience, like you said. And um, I think this would have been their year if they wanted to make a run. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's just disappointing to see. Yeah, um, I expected them to be a fringe bubble team coming into the season. 
really sucks for Lamar Stevens Penn State to career to end like this. It really does. Yeah, it's it's horrible for everyone, honestly. I just wish there was something that they could fix. And yeah. Let them play. But right. hey, there's nothing can do now. Next up, our next topic is transfers. We're going to start off with Jarius Hamilton, former BC player. He's, he's just has recently committed to Maryland, sit out a year, but two years left to play. After two down seasons at BC, will he perform to his top 100 expectations at Maryland? I mean, I hope so. I mean, he was definitely stunted at BC. And um, I think going to Maryland is a cha- definitely a change in conference and maybe competition. But um, I think I think he'll thrive. I, I don't know if he'll start right off the jump from Maryland, but there are definitely a lot of spots opening up as the Malik uh, – sorry, the Mitchell brothers transferring away, who we'll talk about uh, later. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think – there's a lot of opportunity for Jerry Hamilton to step up and we'll see what happens. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. Uh, you also, uh, Jalen Smith is probably going to declare for the draft. Yeah. And um, yeah, those two years at BC were just miserable for him. You could even see his body language. It didn't look like he wanted to be there. But that, that's just what happens when you go to BC. I'm sorry. <laughs> he, wanted to, he wanted to play with his brother, probably. But yeah, probably. Um, yeah, now he's gone. Yeah. I think I think I think he he live up to his expectations. He, he's too talented not to. Oh yeah, definitely yeah. All right, uh, next up, Alan Griffin, Illinois. Um, we talked about him uh, in an earlier episode. We thought he was gonna go to Duke to team up with his brother for ne- for the twenty twenty one year, but um, he decided to commit to Syracuse. Do you think this is the right fit for him? Um, this is a very interesting. Um. I thought he was going to go to Duke with his brother. Um, he's, he's talented. Uh, I think Cuse could be a good fit for him. He's definitely going to step in as their go-to guy, that Elijah Hughes guy of this year. Um, yeah. Um, I, I don't have anything to say. This is a weird transfer for me. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, you, you kind of said it all. I mean, I, I honestly thought he was going to come to Duke as well, but um, I guess something came up and he wanted to go to Syracuse. I mean, he'll play against his brother two times um, in the 2021 year, but um, I mean, I guess I guess he wanted to play in the 2-3 zone. And, uh, and he's yeah. definitely going to score a lot. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think Elijah Hughes, the, was he a senior? Or did he do yeah, class he was the, a senior. Yeah, so, um, I mean, there's a ton of opportunity. I mean, I think him and Joe Girard can – do something with it. Buddy Boheim. Yeah, is he, is he still on the team? I, I believe so. I mean, we have no idea. I mean, Syracuse didn't do that well this year, but um, hey, hopefully they can do some good stuff next year. Um, next up, we have twins, Makai and Mikel Mitchell, former, both former Maryland players, both committed to URI. They, they, their history is kind of interesting. They've argued and fight with a lot of coaches and their mom has also stepped in and criticized Maryland coach Mark Turgeon. Do you, do you think they can rejuvenate their careers at URI and is this a good fit? Um, definitely. I mean, I think URI is a very good school for both of them to go to. Um, they have a couple opportunities. Um, sorry, they have a lot of spots opening up. Um, a couple of people to clear for the draft. Uh, a couple are transferring out. And um, I think if Fats Russell stays, then they could definitely form something there. I mean, URI, they finished second in the A-10 last year. Uh, yes. Yeah, right? Yes. And, um, yeah, I mean, I mean the A-10 is going to be wide open next year, and URI definitely has a shot to get back to the tournament like they did a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I agree with you. Um, I think Fats Russell is coming back. They're also getting a grad transfer, Malik Martin, who's a, who's a great scorer. They're, they both could have starting roles next year. And, yeah, URI is going to be a good team. Yeah. All right. Uh, next up, Trey McGowan's out of Pitt. He's transferring to Nebraska. He's going to set out one, but he has two years left. Nebraska finished last in the Big Ten last year under uh, new head coach Fred Hoiberg, who was the former Bulls coach. Um, this is the third person transferring to Nebraska. Do you think this is the right decision? And do you think Nebraska is on the jump? 
Oh, yeah, I do think Nebraska's on the jump. This is how exa- this is exactly how Fred Hoiberg built Iowa State when he first got there. Just a ton of transfers and a ton of transfers and veteran guys, and you're gonna win by having a lot of veterans, and that's his plan is to get a lot of guys who can play at the Big Ten level. Yeah, I mean, I think this is a good decision for Dre McGowan because he Fred Hoiberg has coached in the NBA. He, and he has some NBA type stuff. Yeah, I mean, you, you kind of said it all. I mean, uh, I think there are a couple um, prospects uh, recruiting. I mean, sorry, going to Nebraska, and I mean, hopefully they can start something up in Nebraska because they had they had um, a lot of interesting people play for them this year. I think they had non-scholarship players play for them. Mm-hmm. If I'm not mistaken. Next up, we have. Demencio Vaughn Ryder recently committed to Ole Miss 15 points a game six and a half rebounds two assists and two steals he's probably one of the most athletic players in the transfer portal he's like a football player playing basketball and is this a good fit um yeah I think it's definitely a good fit especially for Ole Miss's defense um they play they play 131 yeah 131 yeah and I think that's a Fantastic fit. I mean, one three one. You gotta be athletic, and I think uh, Vaughn's kind of the guy for that. And I mean, Ole Miss. They had a disappointing season, but um, there's a couple of different people transferring to there, and I mean, hopefully they can do something with it. Um. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I expect a lot of steals and dunks from him in that one three one zone. I I, I kind of love him going to Ole Miss. I saw him yeah. going to Ole Miss the whole way. Because their one three one's a perfect, perfect fit. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, next up, Fred Scott, uh, also from Ryder. Um, he hasn't made a decision yet, but his final five are Illinois. Sorry, final six are Illinois, Illinois State, San Fran, San Diego, Arkansas, and BC. Uh, he's at, he averaged thirteen points a game, five uh, five rebounds a game last year. Do you think he's going to go, and why? I think he's going to BC. Um, really? Yeah. I think he wants to stay close back in the East Coast. Riders in New Jersey, BC's in Boston. And he's a good forward. Um, he, he could step into that Jarius Hamilton role. And I think he's not missing peace for BC. Yeah. I mean, BC's had a lot of people transfer already, and they got a couple guys coming in. Um, I don't know if he'll go to BC considering DeMar Langford, who is a forward, is going is coming to BC as well. Um, yeah, this is a pretty strange list of schools. Like, I wouldn't expect oh, yeah. Illinois State, San Fran, or San Diego to be on here. I'd expect full six high major schools. But I think if he wants the best chance at a national championship, he'd go to Arkansas. Or Illinois. Yeah. But, yeah. Like you said, this is a very weird list. We have two Illinois teams, two West Coast teams, Arkansas and BC. That's kind of all over the map, if I'm being honest. But um, we will update you when he makes his decision. Yes. Next up, we have Cam Mack. Um, He's transferring out of Nebraska. 12 points a game, five rebounds a game, seven assists a game. He was the number one JUCO transfer in the 2019 season. He has two years left. Um, and reports say he's most likely going to go back to the home, his home state of Texas. Um, his mom is di- currently diagnosed with breast cancer. Um, maybe he might go to your team, Texas. What do you think? I mean, yeah, that'd be, that'd be nice to see. I mean, Texas, they're probably going to get Greg Brown, and they have a couple guys leaving. But um, I think Texas can do something with this. And if Cam Mack comes here, that's that's a huge upgrade for them. And Texas, they're on the cusp of the uh, first four out and, like, a last bubble team coming in. And um, I think with uh, Cam Mack, they can definitely do something with that next year. And who knows, maybe maybe Shaka will do something. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think TCO, TCU is actually the best fit for him. Um, they've looked for an all-around point guard, and Cam Mack fits all the bubbles for them. And he, he was actually the first one in Nebraska basketball history to record a triple-double. And in history? Yeah. Man, that's, that's disappointing for Nebraska. Yeah, that is. <laughs> but, hey, they got, they got people coming in. They, uh-huh. they, 
they'll, they'll get another person to record a triple double. Uh-huh. All right. And the final guy for today is going to be Liam Robbins out of Drake. He's committed to Minnesota. His uncle is actually on the staff of Minnesota, which is pretty cool. Um, he's a seven foot monster. He averaged 14 points a game, seven rebounds a game, three blocks a game. He will have to set out a year, but he has two years left. Um, I think this is a fantastic fit for him. And uh, like we stated in another episode, uh, Daniel Oturu uh, was at Minnesota, and he's going out now. But do you do you think Patino can produce another man like that? Oh uh, yeah, I I think so. Uh, there was no surprise Liam Robbins was going to go to Minnesota. His uncle's on the coaching staff, like you stated. Um, he's the legit seven footer. He can stretch out on the floor. Just got to, he needs a little polishing. But yeah, he definitely looks like a Daniel Aturu play style. Yeah, yeah. I mean, sorry, what were you saying? No, I I just said yeah. Oh yeah, I mean, I mean, like you said, I think I I I really like this transfer, and I mean Minnesota, they haven't been that good. They weren't they that good this year. Um, last year they were in the tournament, but um, I mean, yeah, I mean, hopefully Patino can do something, and Minnesota is actually playing Iona next year, and maybe the next year after that, and I mean that's gonna be that's gonna be fun to watch. Yeah, father versus son. That's what I like to see. Um, yeah, and one last announcement. Uh, we've made an Instagram. Uh, Gage, would you like to show them the, the Instagram? Yes. Yeah, it please is, follow us. At, it is at RTM Podcast. And, yeah, um, thanks for watching. Stay safe. It's always March. It's always March. And next tournament is in 365 days. So yeah. stay tuned. Thank you. Take care.